the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey, with me as the usual, Nadia Oxford. Hello, everybody. Uh, I apologize for the sniffles. I'm trying to get over a cold. Well, I hope you feel better soon. I mean, you're finally free, Nadia. You're free. <laughs> oh, my God. These past two weeks have been like, uh, holy moly, which way is up? But yes, uh, we are finally coming into a, a nice, like, we're settling down now a little bit, I think. I. Nadia is a trooper. I, I got to hand it to her because <laughs> not only so while we were all on vacation for Thanksgiving, she had to stay in and work on Black Friday stuff. <laughs> and, and oh, my God, like the deluge of deals and all that crap. I, I She's a trooper. And then she's also reviewing Xenoblade Chronicles, too, which we're going to be talking about in yes, a lot of detail today. No spoilers probably no spoilers yeah we'll be good we're gonna avoid spoilers of course nintendo's been pretty bad about giving out spoilers themselves well so is everybody i mean i mean half the trailers that you watch these days are just loaded with spoilers yeah. it's really not fun <laughs> like we're watching star trek discovery at the moment uh-huh and uh so we're like we just finished episode three but after episode two was done uh they gave a big trailer for the rest of the season and when we were done watching that trailer we were kind of like oh Thanks for spoiling a large chunk of the rest of the season for us. I I try to avoid trailers like the plague. Like I didn't watch uh-huh. that Avengers trailer because even yeah. though I am actually interested in that movie, I believe it or not have a lot of respect for what Marvel has been able to accomplish with their cinematic universe. I think it's actually pretty rad what they've done. And especially, and and I think that movies like Civil War and Homecoming and such have all the more punch because of what's come before. You have an mm-hmm. investment in the world. I'm not watching that freaking trailer. I don't want to be spoiled. No, I don't blame you. Especially since, did you see Thor Ragnarok? I didn't. I'm, I want to see it at some point. It's a, it was a lot of fun. I really mm. enjoyed it. You should you should see it. That's what I heard. Uh, they definitely went with kind of a Guardians of the Galaxy vibe with it. Yeah, 100%, which I guess kind of fits when you have, like, a Norse god of thunder who was kind of a wisecracker to begin with. Well, I think Loki is easily the best Marvel character in all of those movies combined, so... Yeah, he's great in this movie, too. Yeah, so just his presence kind of makes me want to watch it, even though I never saw Thor Ragnarok, and I found the first Thor kind of boring, so... Yeah, me too, to be honest. I, I think you're thinking of Dark World was the second one. Or the Thor, the Dark World. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that all one. mixes into my head together. <laughs> it kind of does now, doesn't it? There's so many of them. I only go and see the ones that I really want to go see, like Spider-Man and Civil War. Usually the ones that involve Iron Man in some capacity. Yeah, Spider-Man was great. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll talk a little bit about RPG news. We're going to talk a little bit about Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Well, that's going to be our main topic. And I'm going to talk, and we'll wrap up with some Secret of Mana discussion. Uh, yeah, this has been a period where I've been kind of getting back into my backlog, Nadia. I finally, yeah. finally put aside Middle-Earth Shadow of War. I weaned myself off it. <laughs> I was telling my friends about this. I, I was... It was so annoying because I'm playing this game going, there are, I have a lot of problems with this game. This, this game is really flawed in a lot of ways. I, I hate the grinding. 
I, I'm doing the same actions over and over again. It's not exciting for me to take over this fortress. It could be so much... I, I've already had my fun with this game. Why am I still playing this game? <laughs> I can't put it down. And then I would try to go into other games, and I would be like, oh, I'm playing Middle Earth. <laughs> and wow, that's a that's a that's an addiction right there. I don't understand. It's not good. Uh, but well, with, with Persona Persona Five, you can go from bossing around orcs to just bossing around deities. This is true. I, I think the thing with Middle Earth is that I like the Lord of the Rings universe, and even though they messed it up mm. in a lot of ways, I. I want to be in that world. I thought it was cool when I saw uh, Minas Morgul, and I thought it was cool. I, I just like the look of the world, and yeah. I like the fighting. I like the orcs, and so even though that's understandable, I wish it were a better game. Yeah, I think no, I would really enjoy it if it were. Sometimes the world is enough to draw you in. I guess, but I put it down, finally picked up Persona 5 again, and uh, that's been an interesting thing to get back into, because I'm like, who who am I? What am I doing again? <laughs> going from, like, not only that, going from, like, real Western kind of RPG to a real Japanese RPG. Very Japanese. A thing that really stands out to me is, man, Persona 5 might be the most relevant game of 2017. It kind of is, isn't it? It's very, uh, the themes, I think Katie wrote about this, it, they're very relevant to today's uh, in, uh, environment. But even and, more think. so because yeah. I pick it up and one of the first things they mention is Kamashita uh, sexually harassing his students and being generally awful as a yeah. kind of a male role model. And holy exactly. crap, with everything that's in the news right now, is that not the most relevant thing possible? Yeah, it's pretty prophetic, I guess. Yeah, just a little bit. Which goes to show that, no, this is not just Japanese politics. Abuse mm -hmm. of power is everywhere. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I can't... I I haven't gotten to the points where that people have real problems with, like the portrayal of, portrayal of LGBT people. But mm -hmm. uh, just, it kind of smacked me in the face when I saw that line. So, but How far have you gotten? I'm still in June. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a little baby yeah more or less uh, i need to keep playing i spend way too much time playing middle earth i'm kind of kicking myself and then uh, i'm gonna actually really properly start getting into divinity original sin 2 today yeah that's one i should probably play too i'm gonna be playing with a friend of mine actually so oh that's fun yeah it'll be fun and uh near automata yeah, I I really need to get back to that. I think uh, that I'm pretty much done with Xenoblade. Um, I will get to that just kind of... Because I started it, of course. I just really want to finish it before the year ends. Yeah, I'm actually literally in the process of downloading Xenoblade Chronicles 2 right now. That'll take you a little bit. Uh, but I don't know how much I'm going to play it because I think that I'm going to actually put aside Persona 5 and just try to shotgun near Automata before I head out to the UK in a couple weeks. Oh, that's going to be a real challenge. Good luck with that. Yeah, thanks. And then once I can... get on my flight to the UK, I'm going to play some Xenoblade. And... Yeah, I was going to say, that's a good time to, to save Xenoblade 4. It's too bad that Persona 5 isn't on Vita or Switch. Oh my god, right? I, I can't imagine yeah. a better game to be playing on an airplane than Persona 5. That chill music, that mm. great story, all that stuff, uh, just a perfect fit. Um Make it happen. <laughs> Make yeah. it happen, Atlas. You know that they're going, oh, God, can we do a Persona 5 Crimson Edition on Switch? God damn it. Hurry up. Yeah, let's get this done, like, real fast. It's selling really well. Uh, yeah, it just absolutely. hit a sales milestone recently, so 
Um, unquestionably one of the biggest games of the year. All right, Nadia, let's talk a little bit about RPG news because uh, there's actually a fair amount this week. Yeah, it's coming out in trickles. So first piece of RPG news, uh, let us say goodbye, uh, pay a quick tribute to, to Demon's Souls, which is officially mm. shutting down its online servers uh, in February, I believe. So Yeah, sometime early next year. Rip in peace. <laughs> Rip in peace. <laughs> uh, Matt is a big Demon's Souls fan, and he wrote a pretty nice little tribute to it for the site, talking about how the servers kind of turned it into a ghost story. Yeah. Like a living ghost story. And we Yeah. Yeah, what were we going to say? I was going to say I remember even though I haven't played Demon Souls, that's the thing I remember most about it standing out is that people were talking about how much the servers really added to this this strange little game. Yeah. Uh we forget now because we have so many games that are always connected to the internet. Mm-hmm. But the concept of servers and being able to play games on servers was really novel back in 2000. Yes. I think this game came out in 2009, the end of 2009, yeah. something like that. I, I was blown away by the concept of an online world where you could see the ghosts of other players, where mm-hmm. you could see warnings about different things and that they could troll yeah. you in real time. That first time you... Uh, went to a blood stain. That first moment, you would be walking along through one of the earliest levels, and you see a, I think it was the red eyed knight just mm-hmm. standing there at the end of a bridge, and you would see the blood stain. And you click on the blood stain, and you would see the little ghost run out, and they go, uh, 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 and then just <laughs> drop dead, and you'd go, ah. <laughs> warning, warning. Yeah. And. Uh, they did a lot of really cool things. I, I think it was in Demon's Souls where one of the bosses was actually another player. Oh, was that was that the one? Yeah, I think it was Demon's Souls that did that, which is uh, pretty fascinating. So you have to duel with them. Uh, it might be Demon's Souls. It might be a different one. Please correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Souls fans. It's been literally eight years since I last played Demon's Souls. But yeah, so it's a real shame that they're shutting down the servers because A, there's no other way to play this game. It's only available mm-hmm. on PS3. So you can't even play it on PC and B, it uh, like it really loses something when the online servers are turned off. So yeah, but this game lasted a heck of a lot longer than anybody could have expected because they Alice was expecting to sell maybe like a thousand copies. Like wow, literally, really? that's all they were expecting to sell. Wow, they budgeted for it and it sold so much better <laughs> that it set them up for like the entire next year it was ridiculous because of the the hype that turned it into a a a cult favorite and uh, good for them and they were supposed to shut down the servers in like 2012 and 2011 2012 like i don't think they'd be thinking like they'd be thinking talking that we'd be talking about like nearly 10 years later now the servers are shutting down and hell no yeah, they were expecting it to last for like a year or two. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame when online games they turn off the servers and the game is basically crippled and you can no longer play it. Yeah, yeah it's becoming more and more and more common. Uh, it's yep. a, it was a real big problem with mobile games. It still is. There are a lot of sports games that are like that. Where yeah, there would be. I think, like for example, Madden Eleven servers have long since been shut down. So mm-hmm. if you want to take advantage of a lot of those. Uh, if you want to take advantage of a lot of the features, well, too bad. <laughs> not that many people do. I'm just saying that it's not a thing. But Your SOL. 
Pretty much, but R.I.P. Demon Souls, uh, the Souls game that a healthy contingent of Soulsborne fans consider to be, if not the best, one of the best, maybe mm-hmm. top two. Uh, yeah, there are plenty of Soulsborne fans who think it's better than Dark Souls. I disagree with them. I am a huge. I have a huge amount of admiration for the open-ended level design of Dark Souls, um, and I thought it was just a clear next step over Demon Souls when I reviewed it back in 2011. But yeah, it's a very divisive game. I find I find that people who are a little bit newer to the series say uh, it's not that great. I can see like I can see where the start came from. I can respect the game for what it is. But you have a lot of the old the old guard who are like, "No, this is the best one," et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And here's why. Yep. So yeah. I'll go into that for a while if you let them. <laughs> All right. Uh, second item, the Destiny 2 XP throttling controversy. So this is a this is kind of a thing. It turns out people discovered that if you were too efficient at gaining XP, the game would actually limit the amount of XP that you could get at the highest levels, which really set off the fan base who oh, yeah. that's all they do is grind in that game. Yeah. So, and Bungie immediately came out and started doing damage control. They canceled a Destiny 2 expansion stream. They put out a blog instead saying, okay, we were really sorry about not being transparent about this. We've disabled the feature. Server side, we're looking for an alternative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mike did a, uh, Mike did a breakdown of how other MMORPGs actually do this. Yeah. And Bungie's biggest mistake was not being transparent about it. Exactly. Um, I mean, let's face it. People are going to find out one way or another if you are screwing them on a game like that. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was Final Fantasy Record Keeper where there was a big a big controversy over the gacha rates for some for one of the characters being throttled in America versus Japan. And Square Enix didn't say anything about it. Uh, basically, people want transparency more than anything. They're still going to bitch about the problem, but at least they'll be appreciative that you were transparent about it. Mm, maybe. No, I, I think it's not that they'll be appreciative. It's that they will crucify you even harder if you're secretive about it. Yeah, okay, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> uh, it's like three nails instead of two. EA was pretty transparent about what they were doing with their boxes. <laughs> That's true, but I guess it would have been a lot worse if they hadn't been transparent. They came straight out and said, "No, this is what we're. This is our thinking with the heroes and what we're trying to accomplish." And it ended up being the most downvoted Reddit comment in history. <laughs> oh my god, oh, so amazing! Reddit, but Destiny Two, as Katie highlighted on the site, has other problems. Uh, the end game is still pretty thin, and mm-hmm. they went bungee, and we're now at a point where a large contingent of people have blown through the regular content in the game, which amounts to, you know, 20 hours or something like that, mm-hmm. and are now on the end game stuff, where they're just doing dailies and trying to level up their character, and they find it all to be pretty thin. It's a little bit like me trying to play Pokemon, going, man, eh, there's not that much here. Eh. <laughs> right? And I can sympathize with them, but... Uh, so Bungie was like, uh, here are all these things that we're going to be doing with Destiny 2's endgame, but uh, we'll see, I guess. But yeah, uh, the, there's exactly unhappiness in the ranks of the Destiny 2 fandom, I guess. There is much unhappiness there. They want all of the content now. They want a game that's as rich as the original Destiny within a couple months after the Destiny 2 came out. Yeah, versus a, a few years. 
That's just what happens when you have a sequel as opposed Mm -hmm. to making, say, Destiny 2 into an expansion pack. Yeah, which might have been the better idea, but I don't know. I'm not a Destiny fan, so I can't say one way or the other. I mean, if you look at what WoW did, what Blizzard did with World of Warcraft, they never made a sequel. No, it's just been expansion after expansion. It's worked for them, and same with Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, and they have patched in graphical improvements over the years. Mm -hmm. They've updated the art substantially. Uh, The zones that are coming out now are on such a level better than, say, 2004. It's not even funny. So, same with Star Trek Online, to be honest. The are they still? They're still doing. They're still going uh, at it. I mean, they they the the improvements that they made to that game graphically versus what it looked like in 2010. It's not even funny how much mm. better it looks. So maybe that would maybe that was the right answer. Maybe they would have had a pseudo sequel expansion where they added in just a whole where they just completely changed a lot of the original content yeah but. probably wouldn't have been the worst idea because people were not happy about abandoning everything they had worked for in destiny True. one they could have done something to the effect of cataclysm where mm-hmm. in cataclysm they they kept a lot of the original they went and changed a lot of the opening areas yeah um and introduced a ton of new stuff and basically stealth overhauled everything at the beginning so uh, that might have been the correct answer and it's like well you lose the original destiny i guess but they could have found a way to archive the original missions i don't know but yeah i i always subscribe to the i always enjoy the school of let's get a big dragon to wreck everything yeah we're uh, world building there you <laughs> technique go. like final fantasy 14 again well, let's throw a meteor on it. And let's say I have, like, Bahamut hatched from the meteor and just lay waste <laughs> to everything. Uh, Destiny 2, Curse of Osiris is coming out, I believe, next week. So we're just not too long from now. Lots of yeah. lots of stuff to cover. And hopefully Des- Bungie gets his shit together. But uh, third news item, SMT5 confirmed for America. Uh, surprising nobody. <laughs> Yeah, so I kind of took it for granted that we were getting an English localization when the fr- announcement first came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I realized, oh, we didn't actually get an official announcement, did we? So, yeah, this is nice. Yeah, yeah it was nice to get confirmation, right? Yeah, always good. Unlike Dragon Quest, SMT... We kind of got confirmation for that? More or less, yeah. Unlike Dragon Quest, SMT is kind of a given coming out here. You can kind of mm. take that for granted because, right. I mean, it's Atlas's flagship series and Persona or SMT is always going to come out here and that's just how it is. Yeah, and given how well Persona 5 did here. Oh, heck yes. Yes, yes, yes. So. Man, I'm really looking forward to SMT 5 on the Switch. It's going to be good stuff. Yeah, I'll definitely be giving it a try since I am now in the herd, I suppose is the word. <laughs> All right, and finally, Final Fantasy 15 has three more episodes coming out in 2018. <laughs> Yay! Thoughts on this, Nadia? Uh, who else is there? <laughs> uh, are they going to make imaginary friends? Uh, it's the side characters. Uh, so they're going to do... They're starting out with episode uh, Arden. I don't okay. remember who Arden is. Neither do I. The name's very familiar. Oh, but that's I, the villain. Oh, the guy who looks like the, the hobo uh, from a Jethro Tull song. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. He, it's, like, it's like, man, these characters are so memorable that I totally remember... Uh, no, just kidding. I just remember his hair is weird. Like, it's very... Puce? They're also doing a... They're also looking... 
Well, no, okay. So this isn't confirmed, but maybe we'll get an episode Luna because everybody wants uh, Luna to be would, more than like a that. side character, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So I, let's be honest. I like the DLCs in mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 15, but uh, and I thought the at least episode. God, I can't remember their names anymore. See, there's Noctis and Ignis and Prompt. Gladio and Prompto. Episode Prompto was pretty good, actually. Yeah. The thing is that not a lot of people want to go back to FF15. It's like, I wrapped this up. It's like, yeah, yeah multiplayer is exactly. out now. Woo! In a VR fishing game on it for some reason. And look at all this it, DLC. It was fun, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's kind of cute and fun. I really enjoyed it for what I played. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't understand... They're just trying to milk every last bit out of this. Yeah, and to an extent, I can't blame them. But on the other hand, okay, maybe it's time to give us some news about a 16 now. I'd, I'd be open to a 16. Or hell, if you can't do that, give me some Final Fantasy VII Remake news. I suspect... Well, here's the thing. Okay, so Kitase and, uh, and company are working on FF7 Remake, right? Yeah. So who the heck would be working on 16? You got a point. Because I don't think Tabata is going to be working on 16. No, probably not. And if you are if you got Kitase and company working on 16 on top of FF7 Remake, for God's sake, that, they're stretched too thin. That's too much. Yeah. So I, I'm okay with holding off on a 16. That's fine. But maybe just tone down a bit the 15. Uh, I've played 15. I like it. I like the characters. But don't run them into the ground, please. <laughs> it looks like Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be the thing for next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that will actually materialize. Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out. Oh, my God. The game that we've only been waiting for for 12 years, if you're into that kind of thing. Oh, my. Has it been 12 years? Yeah. I mean, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 came, or Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 06. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. 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 So it's it's been a while. And then we got all those spinoffs on the 3DS that, and yeah. mobile and Vita and DS and... Yeah, uh, we've been waiting for the real deal for a long time, and they keep teasing it in dribs and drabs mm-hmm. in various with their anthologies and such. But yeah, Kingdom Hearts 3, I, it's definitely coming out next year, for yeah, for sure. So that, that will be a big deal. That will be a big deal next fall for people who like Kingdom Hearts. I'm not one of them. <laughs> No, I think Katie is our Kingdom Hearts woman. Yeah, and even she's like, ah, I loved Kingdom Hearts when I was growing up. Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see how she likes it now versus yeah. like that nostalgic developmental years. She loved Kingdom Hearts 1 and beat it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Didn't like Kingdom Hearts 2, found it kind of inane. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, and now she goes back to Kingdom Hearts 1 and goes, eh, eh. <laughs> so yeah. I'm very interested. She to grew she up. Katie grew up. Yeah. All right. Nadia, let's talk about some Xenoblade Chronicles 2. All right, so your review is up on the website. You gave it a very positive review, and you seem to be more or less on in line with other critics. Uh, it's doing fairly well on Metacritic. You gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, before we continue, I'm just going to say, let, let's try to avoid spoilers. Because, yeah. though, of course, people's definition of a spoiler can be a, a little variable. But Yeah, Shulk wears blue stuff. <gasps> <gasps> There's a fire sword! Ah! <laughs> I remember that one from Breath of the Wild. 
It's like, oh my All god, right. spoiler alert, fire sword. Oh well, yeah, it's a fairly common item. Spoiler alert. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, I just remember we got a bad review on iTunes last year because we accidentally spoiled the time traveling dog. So let's 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 avoid that, <laughs> shall we? All right. No time traveling dogs in Xenoblade Chronicles. I can guarantee. All right, Nadia, give us a TLDR on Xenoblade Chronicles two. Here is my TLDR. If you like the first one, you'll like the second one. Okay. Uh, I was lukewarm on the second one. What's that? I was lukewarm on the second one. Will I be lukewarm on the first? Uh, I was lukewarm on the first one. Will I be lukewarm on the second? Uh, maybe, probably. Um, it's basically more of what I loved about the first one, which was like those really like interesting worlds. The characters are still kind of doofy, but I love them for what they are. Um, monster designs, I love those. Uh, the music's freaking fantastic. Mm. So I, I would even say it's better than the first game. Uh, so there, there's that for it. Uh, the voice acting is very much Xenoblade 1 territory. And again, <laughs> that's that's how you consider it. You can download the Japanese track, I think. I haven't done that yet. I am doing that literally as soon as Xenoblade Chronicles 2 <laughs> finishes downloading. So you don't want to hear Rex's British twang? Hell no. But it's so cute. I, I'm putting up with the Persona 5 voice track, but that's only because the Japanese track wasn't already out for that game. Right, right. And I think that it's, even though people had a lot of, people heaped a lot of criticism on the localization of Persona 5, I think the voice acting has its own kind of distinctive style that I've come to yeah, get used um, to. So. I didn't hate Persona 5 localization nearly as much as some people, but I really do think the English voice actors carry that script. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would stick with the English voices, but that's just me. Uh, but as for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, yeah, I, I like the voices. <laughs> I don't care. I, I know some of them are kind of bad. I know Kotaku posted a video. Uh, there's a, a sequence where you come up against some guards, and they say the same two lines over and over and over again. And when your characters talk in battle, they just talk over each other. And it's funny, but I actually use that inane chatter to gauge how a battle is going because I don't always have time to look at their HP bars. Mm. And if they start screaming about how they're going to die, then you know, okay, well, there's a problem here. <laughs> if they're going on about love and friendship, they're okay. So it's kind of a, a, a meter. Love and friendship, we're okay. We're going to die? Well, things are not going so okay. We better get some healing done. But you can turn off uh, the voices. You, you can. They really kind of have it uh, compartmentalized. Compartmentalized. <laughs> compartmentalized you know the word I'm, yes uh they have it very specified so if you want to turn down the battle chatter specifically you can do that uh it, i think i did turn it down a little bit just to kind of so i can hear the music a little better because the music's so great um but yeah i i'm really enjoying the games it, it's so big it's so fun to wander through it's so full of weird characters i think parish uh put it perfectly in his review in progress for polygon which is it's a game that's not afraid to be weird, and I kind of like that in this day and age where games are a little more uh, by the numbers, and this is very much a glorious, chaotic mess of color and noise and sound and story. Uh, I, I am for that. I know there's been a lot of controversy with the character designs, and I think that problem there, from what I understand, is that there, at Monolith Soft, there, is, there was no central character designer for this game. They just got in a bunch of celebrities, so you do have a lot of clashing art styles mm. going on. I, um, I think that's a fair criticism, to be honest. Maybe oh, it's yeah, better yeah, so to I. have a more coherent style. 
Yes, I agree. And to be fair, uh, I am glad that the environment itself, the environments rather, have a consistent style to them. It's just the characters that are kind of like a little bit all over the place. Um, but I think there's been like a lot of, uh, just a lot of uh, negative focus on Pyra, who is the female blade that you pl- play most as in the game. And not enough focus on some of the other blades, which are kind of awesome. Like, one of my favorite characters is this blade I picked up named Wolfric, and he's this huge, hulking, black hell knight with this permanent grimace. And everyone's terrified of him, but his whole thing is he wants to be a better blade person. I don't know what you would call him. <laughs> and his power-up items, because you, you can give items to blades to kind of power them up. His items that make him happy are books and board games. And if you give him, like, a book, he's like, I feel giddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he's just trying to be a better monster, and uh, I can appreciate that. I'm actually in the middle of a subquest with him where he's trying to rescue some trap miners. Uh, but I don't have the right skills to complete the side quest, and that is a problem with the game, is that you have to have, like, you have to keep track of so many skills and so many items and so much of this and so much of that, and not all of it is necessary, by all means, uh, but... If you really want to get in-depth to the game, there's so much to do. Um, if you want to ignore a lot of that, it's really not a problem to do that either. It's really up to you. Well, one of the common points of criticism in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and this was especially the case in Jason Schreier's review, where uh, he kind of crucified it, to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, he kind of savaged it. Uh, he said that it's really complicated. It's overly complicated. Uh, too many systems going on. They needed to scale it back. They needed to have something uh, a little more streamlined. And he, he was giving examples of how you would get an item, but and you would be excited about that, but it would be undercut because you would need more items to upgrade it, and you wouldn't necessarily have those items. And there are way too many currencies going on in the game. There's like a WP system and another system and another system. And it almost feels like a free-to-play game that isn't free-to-play, right? So, what are your well, thoughts I think on that? The, the some of the points he's talking about, like the weapon points, I think those were in the first game. There's a lot here from the first game that they just kind of transferred over to the second game. I do agree that it could use some streamlining. And from what I've heard, there, there's an update that already streamlined some of the menus. So, really, that's okay. That's good to hear. But um, yeah, uh, here's the thing. I'm not the smartest person on earth, and I managed to figure things out without uh, too much trouble. I think you're very smart, Nadia. Give yourself some credit. <laughs> Stop doing that Canadian uh, thing. The, oh, well, we, don't, so we ain't so smart. Uh, but I figured it out. I, it just kind of took a little persistence, a little making sure I was paying attention to what the menus were telling me. Uh, but that said, I will say, Hiran, our guide's guy, um, I don't think he likes the game either. And if I had to write a guide... <laughs> For this game, I'd probably kill myself too. Hiran's so not a JRPG. Hiran's not much of a JRPG person. No, he he was saying how he likes. I think he said he liked Final Fantasy 15 and he likes Persona Five. Okay. Persona Five is so great. Um, so yeah, it's not a, it's not the game I'd want to write a guide for. But um, once I just started buckling down and paying attention, uh, I got through it. I will say that it is inexcusable that you cannot reaccess your tutorials that you went through mm-hmm. and i could not find any sort of a manual like within the switch itself for the game and that also sucked so that kind of thing yeah i'm not saying schreier's criticisms are without base but i don't think the game's nearly as bad as he's making it out to be the, the systems rather so he also talked a little bit about uh technical problems 
with the game and said that it's a problem when it's undocked and that he had some hard crashes and other things. Yeah, I did not really come across any of that. The only thing I came across that he mentioned, too, was at one during one cinema scene, uh, the, the sound went out of sync with the video. And I was like, what the hell is going on? But I reset my Switch and I never had the problem again. Okay. So I don't know if it was a problem with the game or my Switch. But it sounds like it was a problem with the game. Hopefully they fix that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did not have any hard crashes. I did not have any... I did mention in my review that with big crowd scenes and really big battles, there's a little bit of stuttering, but I tried it docked, I tried it handheld, I didn't notice a difference. So I, I have to say myself, personally, I didn't come across many technical issues. So without getting too far into spoilers, uh, you were talking about how the story kind of gets into political territory and that kind of thing. You were talking about how the main character, Rex, is trying to stop kind of resource wars between these various countries that are resting on top of these titans? Yeah, basically uh, in All Rest you have uh, several giant titans, which are the ones a lot of people live on, and you have many innumerable small titans, but the point is the titans are dying off, and no one really knows why. And um, as the titans die off, of course, people have fewer and fewer places to live. So already uh, in the game, um, the Empire has annexed uh, one of the bigger titans, so you already have some tension between the races living there. And as you get further into the game, you'll see like instances of like refugee camps and countries that try to remain neutral but actually aren't. And uh, it was a surprisingly political game. Uh, not like exactly intensely polit- political or anything like that. We're not talking about like Suikoden where, with like nation states battling each other. But it was uh, one of those games that kind of make you stop and, and ask questions. And the characters, of course, stop many times and ask questions. <laughs> Sounds kind of pertinent to the current day and age. It really does, especially one thing that struck me was you do come across uh, a holy city and there are refugees living there. Uh, and the locals are like, well, it's good that they're living here, but at the same time, I don't know how many more we could take in. And one scene that really struck me was there's a holy fountain uh, in the in the uh, plaza that where the refugee camp is set up now. And the locals are just really kind of upset that the refugees are using this fountain to, to play in and bathe in and, and clean stuff. And they're just like, they're, they're ruffians and they're, they're dirty. Why are they doing this? And not only that, they're angry about the existence of blades to begin with because blades are the things that burn down their home in the first place. And you have the other characters who are saying, oh, well, you know, it's not really the blades' fault and back and forth and back and forth, no easy answers, etc. Yeah. Uh it, this game was like 60 hours. How, how, how long does it take to get kind of started? Like for this, uh, you know, actually for the story to get really going uh, for Rex to meet Pyra and all that, and you're looking at a couple of hours. It did not take that long. <laughs> in uh, in RPG can, terms. In RPG terms, <laughs> especially in RPG of this length. And of course, you can meander a little bit before you really get down to brass tacks. But uh, I found myself pretty engrossed with the story fairly early on. Persona 5 has, I mean, on a scale of 1 to Persona 5, (laughs) does Persona 5 much longer? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Because the original Xenoblade Chronicles gets started relatively quickly. Yeah, so this is kind of the same thing. It's a little bit longer, but um, they don't make you wait too long. It's the power of the Monado! This is the power of the Monado! Because one of the first things that happens in the original Xenoblade Chronicles is it basically opens with a fight. Yeah. The invasion of the, the robots and you're fighting in and then it gets you a little bit of a lull and then you get the Monado and then you're off and running and you're in that 
uh, amazing uh, fields. <laughs> uh, yeah, looking up at that uh, beautiful uh, landscapes and that kind of thing. So listen to that yeah, great so music. It's a little bit like that this time around. Uh, how it starts is Rex uh, takes on a job as a salvager. He's basically recruited in what seems like a, a standard job, but it becomes quickly it quickly becomes much more than that. And he meets Pyra. And after that, you're you're pretty much set to go. So am I, is my understanding that Pyra, people are just criticizing Pyra's character design? Her, I think people are really bothered about her sh- booty shorts and her boobies. I see. Uh, which are, you know, the usual gravity-defying anime trope. So you're, uh, you're, you're pretty, you're, you're bog-standard... It is a very bog standard design. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I think I mentioned this before is she has an adult voice, and mm-hmm. I'm a lot, a lot more okay with that kind of design. If you're talking about an adult character, quote unquote, and I'm not talking about like one of those like, oh, I'm 500 years old, but I have the voice of a preschooler. I'm I'm talking about like she actually looks and sounds and acts like an adult. I made a mistake of googling her just to have reference. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. And uh, yeah, yeah, there's already a lot of stuff on DeviantArt for her. <laughs> I'm not surprised. And it's kind of a shame because she's an okay character by herself and all this controversy is overshadowing like the other female characters like Nia, who her outfit's kind of a little bit dumb, but it's she's fine. Like She's not like at all stupidly endowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, Morag, who's just awesome. She's like an Imperial soldier, officer, special inquisitor, that's the title. She's just amazing. But uh, everyone's just kind of fixated saying, oh, I'm not buying this game because Pyra has, you know, a dumb chest. And I don't think that's very fair. Okay. Uh, Is Pyra an interesting character in her own right, or is she kind of one-dimensional? I find her interesting. Uh, She's not like... uh, She's kind of that... I like her better than Fiora from the first game, definitely. Mm Mm-hmm. She has she has a little more depth than Fiora, but I like Nia and Morag a little bit better. But I, I like Pyra. Basically, I didn't hate spending time with her. Does she have a decent arc? Uh, yeah, it goes more or less the way you'd expect it to go. But uh, she is she has her story to tell. All right. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Um, I would prefer for a game to have you know a a, char- a woman or a female character who isn't you know, just all about her design and these really kind of like giant boobs though. Yeah. Her boobs aren't that big and the little (laughs) booty shorts and all that stuff. But I I guess it's also kind of so common in a lot of these, these games that it's, it's almost like, Oh man, I've definitely seen a lot worse to be perfectly honest. Anybody who's complaining about Pyra in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Definitely hasn't seen, I don't know, the deluge of crap that has come out of a lot of the smaller, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the smaller RPG developers in Japan that are very just Mm -hmm. like, no, we're pandering. That's it. We want to sell copies. We're selling, we're pandering the horny Japanese teenagers, whatever. We don't care. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, Pyra doesn't really act like one of those characters. You know mm. the tropes, like the whole, like, you know, stumbling, falling oh, down. Oh, Big Brother. Yeah, she's not like that. She's not I doing the be... Big Brother thing? Oh, hell no. No, no, no. Nothing like that. Okay. I'd be a little bit grossed out. I'm not grossed out by Pyra. There, that's all I can say. <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. She doesn't gross me out. I like her. I like spending time with her. And uh, I know I have... Pe- I've Like you said, there is so much worse out there. And 
I would love to see better designs from Japan, but you take what you can get when you're a female JRPG fan. <laughs> and I know I got in trouble. I got in trouble for saying that. Oh well, if you're just you're complicit in the whole thing, then it's like no, just I'm a I'm a 37 year old woman who's been playing JRPGs longer than God. I said God was alive, so <laughs> I I think I I have a right to my opinion. I have a right to say. I have the brains to say, okay, I'm okay with this, or no, I'm not okay with this. So leave me to my choice. What can I tell you? It is okay to expect, uh, it is okay to ask Japan to do better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It is 100 And I am saying, hey, Japan, if you're out there, uh, hey, I like Morag. Why don't you make more characters like her? Yeah. I, I think it's okay to, I mean, I, Persona 5 also does a lot of the uh, kind of highly sexualized kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, the, the the designs are more interesting. If I have yeah, absolutely. If I have a complaint about pirates that are designed as boring. Yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I could pick her out of a crowd with no problem, but uh, you're not giving me anything super interesting to look at. I suppose. I mean, I know Anne is a high schooler in a cat suit, but she's very not really. Unique. Well, she's distinct. Very distinct. Yes. I feel like I've seen a hundred variations on Pyra every time I've walked up the stairs in Akihabara. <laughs> just the characters who the, a thousand variations of pyra are on the walls on covers of magazines uh it's mm-hmm. just you there's you can be more interesting is what i'm saying yeah. and i mean at least kudos to xenoblade 2 for giving us a cat woman who's not a stereotypical cat woman <laughs> but uh so yeah uh i guess uh, they could be better. Like the character designs, not great. Be better, not great. No, no, I, I will not deny that. I say they can do better. Japan can do better. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're saying I'm not going to play this game because of Pyra, you're really throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, uh, what you're saying is that the game has merit. The game definitely has merit outside of stupid booty shorts. So I find it interesting that they have a moral question about whether the blades are your slaves or your partners. It's very Pokemon in that regard. <laughs> it really is, uh, especially since, again, I think a lot of people are bothered about how um, they think uh, or they perceive that Rex, quote-unquote, owns Pyra. Mm-hmm. And so this is the kind of thing that is explored in-game a little bit. So, But yeah, you're right, it, it brought to mind Pokemon, especially since you bring the crystals to life as blades, they bond to you. That is a little weird that Rex owns Pyra. <laughs> I don't know, the game doesn't really say anything that explicit about it. The weird thing about Pokemon um, is that they explicitly tackle the whole slave versus partner thing in Pokemon Black and White. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they're like, well, but it's okay because the Pokemon want to be there. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm, I, I, I suppose. That's what Pika means. And like, there's a whole thing actually in Black 2 and White 2 where. Uh, the main character, the one of the main villains from the original Black and White disappears, but you can capture his Pokemon. Right. So that's like one oh, of the unusual. major side quests, and they willingly join you, essentially. Mm. And it's like, okay. Uh, it actually worked better in Sun and Moon, where you see the Pokemon just everywhere, and they're just chilling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're not forcibly taking out of nature, and making them fight alongside you they are just part of this society they're working mm-hmm. alongside humans and also sometimes they will like team up with you and be like yeah let's do this thing so and then yeah, they fight really <laughs> and then they fight 
Uh, someone brought up a really good point about uh, James in the anime. He asks every single Pokemon if they want to join him. He, he doesn't capture them. He's like, do you want to come with me? And they usually say yes. You mean James so. as in from Team Rocket? From Team Rocket, yeah. What? That's what? He's the villain. He Doesn't he steal them? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently like he comes across certain Pokemon. Like, I haven't watched Pokemon the anime in like five billion years, but uh, apparently all his Pokemon, if not, or most of them, like he's kind of made friends with them and said, hey, you want to you wanna be with me? And they say, sure. And that's that. I remember in Ruby and Sapphire, they said goodbye to coughing and uh, they said goodbye to wheezing and Arbok. And, oh, Arbok and got new Pokemon. I think Jesse got uh, Saviper. Yeah, okay. And James got Cacturned? I think that's what it was. <laughs> that became their new... That became their new monsters. And I think they did willingly join up with Team Rocket for mm-hmm. some stupid reason. I don't know why you would ever do that because you're just going to get blown up by Pikachu every time. If you're lonely, I suppose, and you're really desperate for company, like yeah. poor Zubat or something. Yeah, if you are, uh, if you're Survivor, which is really just the off brand version of Arbok, I guess. Poor man's Arbok. Yeah. yeah. I, I could see why you would want to team up with uh, Team Rocket because nobody's going to capture you willingly. Ah. Poor Viper. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But actually, in Xenoblade 2, uh, there wa- I came across a side quest where a Blade and a her owner, slash whatever you want to call him, uh, called it quits. I don't know if they're going to get back together. That's I think that's another side quest I haven't discovered yet. But I, I, I'm pretty sure they can separate if it's not working out. So, in terms of the side quests, I'm glad you brought those up. Uh, you, you were kind of uh, critical of them. You were saying that they felt to you like just more fetch quests and weren't very particularly exciting yeah there are definitely more fetch quests uh not entirely there there's a few like by all means i have not discovered them all there's a a freak of a lot uh my biggest problem with with the quests period is that unlike the first game uh you don't instantly get your reward when you finish the quest you have to go back to the idiot who gave them to you and report in and i hate that because I loved how the original Xenoblade just gave you your stuff right there, and you moved on, and you got on with your life. Uh, why would they, why they do that? that? I don't I, understand. I don't know. But I, you know what? So few games adopted that to begin with that I would always say, why aren't you like Xenoblade? Why aren't you just giving me my, my stupid gold right now, right here? I got time. I got, you know, not time to waste, man. Yeah. The original but Xenoblade was kind of lauded for being more forward-thinking, so it's kind of weird for it to go back to... Yeah, that is, that is really weird. I don't know why they did that. Um... But uh, I guess the more story-heavy side quests would make sense. Like, I came across one the other day uh, where my mercenary group, because you get to take charge of a mercenary group a little bit later in the game, uh, there was a spy in the mist who was uh, basically giving away jobs to rival groups, and I had to figure out who that was, who was doing that. And that was kind of interesting, but most of the game, most of the side quests are like, hey, I need a carrot, get me a carrot, (laughs) sort of things. We should do an episode on the best side quests and what made them best because there is definitely a formula and often what it comes down to is they need to be more than collect five of blah Uh and they need to have some kind of arc yeah ideally it begins with a mystery or something Mm -hmm. and you're it tells a story culminating with some kind of interesting battle or some kind of interesting challenge or taking you to a place that you might not have gone otherwise, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Like Wu-Tai in Final Fantasy VII, great example oh, yeah. of a totally, totally 
uh, uh, amazing side quest. Totally yeah. optional. 100% optional. You don't have to go to Wutai. But it tells its own little story. You get a whole bunch of battles you wouldn't otherwise. I think you get a summon that you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, you get Leviathan, because I think that's the deity yep. of the uh, the town. And that's another thing, is getting re- getting really good rewards, right? Yes. Making it kind of worth your time. And Yeah, I, I really kind of wish that Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I would take a lot fewer quests per, fine if i could get more like the one i did the other day with the the spy like that was that was interesting to go through it didn't take me too long but i was like okay who's doing this why is this happening and uh yeah it was a, it was a nice little quest i wish there was more like it what do you think of schreier's assertion that xenoblade chronicles 2 doesn't respect your time um i don't know if i agree with that so much uh it did take me some time to get used to the menus like i said they can definitely use more streamlining but uh I really don't ever feel like the game was wasting my time. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed like uh, I enjoyed meandering through it, and I, I don't feel like it was extending my my play time unnecessarily. Except maybe like like I said, some of the side quests are just filler, but you don't have to do those. Um, yeah, I can't say I, I really uh, had that problem. I, I will say battles are a little slow at the start of the game because the enemies uh, are are pretty tough they have a lot of hp but as you get used to the battle system uh and and begin to really get a hang of the combo system in particular they go by fast enough how much faster or slower is it than xenoblade chronicles one i'd say it's about the same yeah yeah it's been a long time since i played xenoblade chronicles one but you're looking at around the same time the power of the monado this is the power of the monado and again like that game you you kind of have to know you kind of have to get you know match your strategy with the 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 enemies. Like I know he said that Trier said there weren't there wasn't much strategy in the game, but I don't really agree with that either. Uh, or do the boss battles are they as interesting as they were in the original Xenoblade Chronicles? Yeah, I think so. Um, so you have to. Is it heavy on party composition, or is it more, uh, or does it take a different tack? Uh, I think it's more about like. Uh, I don't know, it's hard to explain because party composition is, is a little different this time around. It's more about the blades you have equipped versus the, the characters you have with you. You still have to have your tank, your healer, and your, your fighter, or you should, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I've, uh, it, I think, I mean, not thinking about it, I think the enemies are more about like doing a lot of damage, uh, toppling them whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, Schreier mentioned the O-Cores, Ox-Cores, whatever he decided to call them. Um, Having some of those equipped sometimes helps. If you're going up against a mechanical enemy, for example, you can equip one that helps you with that. Uh, but I don't remember the boss battles from the original Xenoblade too much, too well, to be honest. I thought the most interesting thing about the original Xenoblade was that certain weapons did damage to enemies. And so yeah. you had to take into account, okay, I'm about to fight a mechanical enemy. So Monado has to be in here. And then I'll uh, try to have a healer. And then I'm going to do something else. And then... I'm looking for certain uh, combos and certain like higher level attacks that can do a, dish yeah, out a lot of damage. Have to, you definitely have to consider your combos and your train attacks and, and all of that uh, because enemy, uh, boss enemies can be pretty tough. And they, they do have a lot of HP and you do want to do things like knock them down as much as possible, uh, cripple their movement as much as possible. Yeah, I remember the boss battles in Xenoblade Chronicles being really intense. A lot of times. Yeah, these are very intense battles. I always felt like I was really right on the edge of dying, which is a great feeling to have in an RPG where you're getting pushed to your absolute limit. So Yeah. 
Um, there is a lot of that going on in the battles here. Yeah, you were mentioning combos and things in the in the battle system and and super attacks. Can you tell me a little more about that? Well, basically, uh, this is where the elemental attacks come in. Uh, as you fill up your arts, which you do by just conducting auto attacks, uh, you can uh, basically initiate special attacks, and each blade, of course, has a element. And so, for example, if Rex has Pyra equipped, he's a fire elemental for that period of time. And if he initiates a first-level special, then the next character, once their special is filled up, can initiate a second-level special, and then so on and so on and so on. And you can get some pretty major attacks, but you have to be careful about it, because if the enemy is defeated, uh, that resets everything. And if you have another enemy next to you, it's not like you can just transfer the attacks over to them. So you, you kind of have to think about what you're doing. And plus, I think that the enemies have certain enemies have uh, attacks that can break your affinity f- and reset your <laughs> your whole uh, combo meter. There's a lot going on in this game, isn't there? There's a lot going on. I think it's worth sorting out. Put it that way. I think that there will be people who really kind of cotton to all of the systems that are going on here. I think so, too. And that's one thing I mentioned in my review. Uh I can see people getting really in-depth into this and seeing what is the best build for they can come up with for like the most efficient attacks or the most efficient healing, most efficient tanking. Of course, there's Poppy, who's the little robot girl. She's totally different. Like You have to uh, equip her differently from the others because she's a, an artificial blade. And weirdly enough, you equip her by winning ether and parts in a game called Tiger Tiger, which is this little side scroll, sorry, vertical scrolling game. I know Schreier hated, Schreier hated that of, game. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cute and fun. Well, it's mandatory, right? That's kind of weird. Not really. It's not? If you, not if you um, don't want to use Poppy that much, and even if you don't power her up that much, she's still pretty powerful on her own. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, kinda, I, I think Parrish liked the, appreciated the whole retro aspect of it. I just kinda, it was one of those games where I just kind of sat there and played it for a while with like my iPod on and... I enjoyed it. All right. Final thoughts on Xenoblade Chronicles 2. If you could only play one, would you choose Xenoblade Chronicles 1 or Xenoblade Chronicles 2? I think I'd go for two. Yeah? Uh, like I said, it's very much like one, except it's more intense, I suppose, more of everything. Mm-hmm. And what was your kind of favorite part of Xenoblade Chronicles 1? My favorite part was the, again, the environments, just the really unique sweeping vistas and there was nearly nothing like it in another RPG that I could think of. And, and it's the same with two. It's very much its own thing and that's okay. You, I can understand why not everyone would like it, but I loved it. I, I really enjoyed my time with it. It really stands out in the way it that it's, it just feels big. It has a kind of an epic sweep to it that you don't actually always see in a JRPG. No, uh, I know that Xenoblade Chronicles X had it to some extent too, but it, I don't know, it comes across as more effective in uh, Chronicles 2, I think, because mm. it's just a more unique setting. It's not just an alien planet. It's a series of living creatures that you go on and actually inside as well. Yeah, you were saying that you kind of like the world. I really like the world. Like, There's little surprises. Like, I was uh, There's this one uh, Titan where there's a, a town inside of it, and I went inside the town because we were to get something or other. And it was raining like crystals or diamonds or something in there. And I was like, oh, that's really neat. Even though there was like this 
one guy standing there like an idiot with his hands over his head. <laughs> like, go under some shelter, dude. Least favorite aspect? Uh, that it took me so much time to really get the hang of it and that I can't go back and reaccess everything I learned. Maybe they'll fix that in an update. It's a very fixable problem, but it shouldn't have been a problem in the first place. All right. And would you recommend it to listeners of Axe of the Blood God? I would, absolutely. Um, especially if you love the first game. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a pretty safe follow-up to the first game. I, I think that you will like it for what it is. If you don't like the first one, uh, I don't know if I'd go that far to say go ahead and give it a try. Certainly a lot more conventional than Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah, like in, in a Xenoblade Chronicles sense, you mean? Like it's a, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X really was pretty ambitious and was trying a lot of different things. And this is much more of a, all right, you want this thing? Well, we're going to give you what you want. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, to be fair, they're talking about putting X on uh, the Switch. I'd play that. I wouldn't. I don't have no. really any interest in playing X. I, I, I'd never finish it. I don't even know if I got too far into it, but it was just... Uh, I think that one intimidated me a lot more than Chronicles 2, to be honest with you. There was like this whole... Again, it was another game that was not explained well. Mm-hmm. Um, like they were telling me to like, oh, set up probes and all this other stuff, but they weren't really telling me how, and I just got frustrated. So in terms of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, just based on everything I've seen, I suppose my only concerns about it is, so I'm not enamored with the character designs, as mm-hmm. everybody has tiresomely talked about, and it feels it feels like the kind of game where it's like, okay, oh great, another 80-hour RPG <laughs> and I don't know if I'm going to be as enamored with the world as you are. Like, I, I think the world might end up speaking to you more than it ultimately does for me. Yeah. And I don't, well, the, the jury's out on the story. I, I think the best chance for, that I have to really end up enjoying this is maybe the all of the various systems. Like Schreier was going, I, I hate all the systems in this game. There's too much, <laughs> too much bloat. But I, I'm... If it gives me meaningful and interesting choices to explore, then I will be okay with that. You know what I can envision myself playing the most, uh, the way that I can envision playing this game? How's that? Uh, Watching Parks and Rec and having it just be, just going through it on my Switch. Like having something, Mm -hmm. like a TV show on in the background while playing it. Yeah, that might be okay. I mean, unless you want to miss out all the battle chatter, which I guess you you probably live. (laughs) Well, I'm downloading the Japanese audio pack. Oh, right. Yeah. But still, I'm, I have a feeling it's not going to be much better. And I, I think missing the music will be kind of a drag, but... Yeah, the music is gorgeous. With a game that's a little more slow-moving like this, like, I did this with Pokemon as well. It's okay yeah. for me to not be directly fully engaged with it. It's okay for me yeah. to have something else going on in the background while I'm playing it. So I guess we will have to see, but uh, I'll have some thoughts on it. When I play it, um, as for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, go check out Nadia's review over on the site. And it is out today. I'm downloading it now. There's an expansion pass. So it looks like we can look forward to DLC of some sort. So I'm kind of excited for that. All right, Nadia, before we wrap up, uh, so uh, can I talk a little bit about Secret of Mana? Secret of Mana report number three? Yay. (laughs) All right, let's do this thing. So I finally set aside some time to sit down and play some Secret of Mana on my own. Aww. Yeah. Uh, so last night, yeah, you know, the hard thing about playing games is that often more and more being an adult gets in the way. Oh, no kidding. Tell me about it. Because I'm, 
I have a lot more time than a lot of my friends. A lot of my friends are having kids now. They're very busy. They yeah. are extremely busy with their jobs, etc. So relatively speaking, I have a lot of time. But, you know, I had to do boring adult things like, I don't know, dishes. You dishes. <laughs> and I had prior plans and things. So it wasn't until about 10 o'clock in the evening that I was able to get to Secret of Mana. And I'm like, hey, hey, you want to play with me? And my girlfriend was on the couch asleep already. <laughs> Does that know? Because she had been cooking and, you know, doing all these other things. And she just, she's very busy with her job. And so she was tired. She's always tired at the end of the day. So she was asleep. I and I was like, do you mind if I play by myself? And she was like, nope, don't mind. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm doing this thing. <laughs> Put on my headphones, locked in. And it was a good opportunity to see how the AI plays out without her, (laughs) without her helping me out. And uh, it was interesting. It it was tricky learning how to do it. Uh, Ultimately, ultimately I decided that the best way to do it was to go into the little action grid and move Mm -hmm. all of the characters to the bottom right. Yeah, that's what I usually do. So that they wouldn't rush in and die immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they were kind of getting my way to be honest, and changing, having to quickly change between them to use magic and that kind of thing felt pretty cumbersome. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You don't have to do that, though. You can uh, just press the X button like to access their menus. Press X and then press X again, and you'll kind of cycle between the two Oh, characters. is that how it works? That's... Yeah, otherwise, yeah, the way you're describing it is a nightmare. It's really, comp- it's really confusing, to be honest. Yeah, it is. Press yeah. X and then press X again. Okay. Yep. Eh. The uh, the iOS remake at least puts character portraits on each of the rings, so you know who you've got. Yeah. But yeah. So I came back in and I was like, "What am I doing again? Who am I? What's what's <laughs> going on?" Uh, I was in the Ocean Palace, and so I oh, right. uh, went into a walkthrough, and it was like, "Go to the Dwarf Village," and I'm like, "Where's the Dwarf Village again?" Oh yeah, it's in Gaia's <laughs> Naval, and thank God there was a shortcut open to get back yeah. there in relatively short order. It took me a good like 30 minutes just to remember how the heck to where I was supposed to be going, what I was supposed to be doing, how to use the different systems, how to access the magic because you have to use magic to get into yes, you do. The the Earth Palace, right? The underground palace. Yeah. So, I I did that. I I froze the little orb and then I went in. And uh well, unfortunately, I didn't get too far. Not yeah, because um, oh, did the goblins destroy you? No, no, I did okay against the goblins. Uh, it, it's hard. I mean, yeah, there were points where they would kill both uh, the sprite and the girl, and I was yeah. like, oh great, okay, well I might as well, oh, well head back to the inn, heal myself up, and then come back, right? Yeah, but I, I eventually developed kind of a system that worked okay. I discovered that you have to kill the pink goblin and then because otherwise they'll yeah. just keep spawning the green goblins. Just keep spawning the green ones. Super annoying. Super, yeah. super duper annoying. So, <laughs> yeah, so I was doing that. So eventually I got the, the dungeon's not that long, all things no, considered. They're, they're, they're pretty short. It's actually really short. And, but I just got rolled by that fire gigas. Oh, did you level up your, your ice spell? How do you level up an ice spell? You just use it against enemies, and oh. uh, you you start at level zero, and then you use it a few times. You get level one, and I think the amount of uh, mana orbs you have is as high as you can uh, level it up. So I think with Undyne, you can maybe get to level one. 
So if you even have just level one against that ice giga, that fire gigas, it'll destroy him. But how do I get up to level one? You just uh, keep casting the uh, like the ice spell or any of Undyne's attack spells against, and it will uh, automatically enemies. level up like the weapons. Yes. Yeah. How do you get mana orbs? Basically, you're um, whenever you get one automatically whenever you do it, whenever you get a seed or acquire a new uh, spell monster. I don't know what you call them, sprite. Mm-hmm. So since you have Undyne and you've gotten like one, you've sealed one mana seed. You have you can cast level one magic once you get the gnome who's next and uh, seal that seed. You can cast level two magic. Oh, okay. This is and all I think very actually confusing. there's a menu in a, uh, in your like your level up menus, your sub menus. There's something in there that tells you what how far you can go. Yeah, uh, that's all very confusing as well. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about that confusing menus? Uh, Secret of Mana. <laughs> yeah. I guess uh, that's why I didn't. I wasn't so bothered by Xenoblade Chronicles too. I've been there. You've been there. It goes back to the. Uh, somebody told me that basically Xenoblade Chronicles Two is an SS, NES RPG in Switch closing. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. I think it was Schreier who was saying that. I think it was, I think it was just like a 16-bit RPG, which is that not really necessarily a bad, a bad thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, golden age of RPGs and all that stuff. But heck yeah, heck yeah. Uh, so Secret of Mana. Yeah, so I just you you walk in to fight the fire gigas and it repeatedly disappears and reappears in this mm-hmm. kind of fireballs, right? And when it's mm-hmm. when it's just a series of fireballs, you can't attack it. And so you have to wait mm-hmm. for it to reconstitute and then you can attack it. And what I was doing is I I just switched over to the sprite and whenever it appeared, I used the free spell and to hit it and that did like 150 damage or something like that while my other characters were attacking it. But it would do a a series of magical, magic spells that did a ton of damage, like ridiculous yeah. amounts of damage. And it was very hard to keep up with all the healing that was required. Right. And worse, uh, so the last time I got to the Fire Gigas before I had to quit for the night because I was just like I'm, I gotta stop now. Uh, <laughs> I I was able to li- last for a while, but then I ran out of healing magic. Yeah, um, you can buy a fairy walnuts, I think from Nico. Oh, oh, that's a great idea. I think I'm gonna do that next yeah. time. Oh, maybe Nico, I can do it then. Uh, Nico rips you off, uh, but he's the only way you can get fairy wallets until a certain point in the game. So you gotta pay up. Oh, but I don't think Neko is. Oh no, Neko is in guy, guys' navel. Navel. Yeah, he is. So I can totally go and get stuff from that. So, all right, so maybe I'll that. try that. But I was, I, I, so like I was getting rolled so fast. Well, I wasn't getting rolled super fast, but fast enough. I was just yeah. getting ground down pretty fast by how powerful the spells are uh, and when they hit you in quick and in, in quick succession that's, that's really hard to deal with so my solution was like oh maybe i need to grind <laughs> maybe a little bit what level are you at well do you know uh see the main characters so the girl and the boy are level 12 that's not too bad. I think if you level up the ice spell one level and have a, a fairy wallet or two, you'll be fine. Yeah, the problem is Sprite is eight, level eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he might need a, a couple. Yeah, it's <laughs> like the because I've had the girl for quite a while. Yeah. So it's just like, I, I guess I got to 
just stand around and level up sprite to like maybe level 10 or something like that and well if you have to level up your magic anyway he kill two birds and i can just get the spell leveled up by just using it over and over again yeah all right i think i'll do that i'll tell you when it levels up <laughs> so yeah uh i it, it's so weird because we you want to talk about a mishmash of mi- systems that don't always work together i, I think that's <laughs> I think that's Secret of Mana, and it's this action game, but it's not really. Yeah. It has elements of turn-based RPGs, which... Absolutely. That's, it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, I can, like, I've always said, I love the game, but I can understand why a newcomer wouldn't be as enamored as I am. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm so used to how the enemies move and how every, like, cue they have, I'm just like, do 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 uh, But... I, I don't envy you for coming into it new. This is a common <laughs> RPG thing of having an attack that you can't avoid. That is yeah. all percentages. It's going to hit your party, whatever. And that's fine in a turn-based game because you can kind of deal with it. But in an action mm-hmm. game where if it, it just feels wrong in an action game. It feels like you should it's have a lot more agency. You bring that up because I've noticed in the remake, what little I played of it, uh, it is a lot more forgiving about you letting avoiding attacks. Like I fought the mantis ant in the the remake, and uh, the the fir- in the original release you can't avoid certain attacks by him, no matter what you do, no matter where you go. But in the remake, I was like just kind of dancing circles around him without a problem. Oh, interesting. So it sounds yeah, like very- they've taken into account a lot of these things, and they want to kind of try to address them in this version. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. All right, but. So, like I said, uh, so when I started playing it and I had my headphones on, I was like, oh, the music's good. I like the graphics. This is fun. It holds up pretty well. It's just when I got to that fire gig, I guess I got kind of annoyed. Yeah, that the music's fantastic, though, for the palace, as I recall. Yeah, once I got out of that dang dwarf castle. What is with that dwarf? <laughs> I don't know if someone lost a bet. Or... Uh, I'm having my headphones. I had to take my headphones off and turn them all the way down whenever I would go into that place, because otherwise... <laughs> would it kind of bleed out? Pretty much. No, it totally uh, would. And I was like, oh, God, turn it off, turn it off. Though, I got to say, I... Man, I would have killed to have been able to play an SNES game with headphones back in the day. Yeah, me too. I, I would have loved that so much. My parents would have been so much less annoyed with me. It's pretty amazing. I live in the future. I'm playing Secret of Mana on a 50-inch TV with uh, wireless headphones. It's rad. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I agree. I, I think my head would have literally exploded. Literally. It just would have been all over the floor. <laughs> just all over the walls. The just being able to look at this. Uh, it would have been amazing. <laughs> Yeah, the SNES really needed a headphone jack. Though, uh, I started playing, I briefly played Super Mario World when I turned on my SNES Classic, and I'm like, holy crap, the input lag. What the heck is going on here? And I realized that I had turned it on to movie mode instead of game mode. Oh, yeah, you need to have that game mode. Yeah, if you don't turn it on to game mode, oh my god, it gets so slow. So, yeah. (laughs) Word of warning. All right, it's my secret of mono report. Uh, sorry for it being relatively short, but I did play it. I was like, I'm going to play some Yay. secret of mono. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to keep playing. So I'll let you know the next time I sit down. I got too many RPGs to play now. It's, it's kind of hard. Maybe now that I've finally given up on Middle Earth Shadow of War, I can have a little more time. It's a good come down RPG. It is a good come down RPG. <laughs> Thank you.
All right, Nadia, as always, we're going to do that thing we do, which is we're going to quickly go through some letters. Last week, I was talking about, we were, we were talking about what we were thankful for in 2017 from an RPG standpoint. And lots of people were saying that they really like the actual RPG. Um, also, correction, I was talking about Neverwinter Nights 2 remake. It was actually just Neverwinter Nights. A little different. Oh. Slightly different. You are cast out. I am cast out. I, was, I mean, that's that was an honest mistake by me. Um, but that's not... I mean, that's totally different, right? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel bad about that one, so... Sorry, guys. Yeah, I, I apologize for that one. Um, Rider Kicker says, Cat's playthrough of the new Pokemon game sounds very brutal, especially when she couldn't win against Necrozma with her high-toned eggs of a bunch party. Sounds like an amped up reason why I didn't bother with beating the Elite Four. Pretty tough, even though I've leveled up plenty. Actually, I mean, I, yeah, no, I was using regular, I was using car- uh, monsters that were even a little more leveled up, and I was still getting rolled by Necrozma. I might actually write about that today. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, Rider Kicker said, adds, just finished the South Park game and actually satisfied them with the length. Took me two months and 24 hours total game gets really effed up toward the end with plenty of M. Night Shyamalan sort of twists. A shame there wasn't more side quests, but much of this game is well-controlled with very little room for error considering every line of dialogue is voiced. I'll have to finish the Yakuza games I own. Um, January Embers 19 says, I am thankful for Valkyria Chronicles 4 being announced. Woo, me too. I've been a fan of the series since day one, managed to enjoy VC2, and found an English patch to allow me to play VC3, and I'm just thrilled that the series is alive. They continue, I have a feeling that I'm going to be totally on my own with this opinion, but I'm so tired of Pokemon. It seems to just be a constant thing now, and I'm so over it. I know that it makes Nintendo buckets of money, but I can't just go away for a year or two? No, because it's a platform. (laughs) Never going away, forever. Oh, to be fair, though, people are saying, oh, I'm sick of Pokemon since 2000, and it hasn't done them much good. No, no Pokemon Pokemon has hit critical mass. It's just, it's never going away. If you go to Japan, it's everywhere. Pikachu yeah. is basically like Mickey Mouse over there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw advertisements for their soccer teams, and you could get Pokemon, you could get Pikachu in a shirt for that soccer team. Aww. Right. Well, he, Pikachu is now the ambassador for Osaka's uh, bid for the uh, expo for 2025. Yeah, a Pikachu is almost synonymous with Japan for a lot of people. So it's yeah. and when you have that kind of cultural awareness, the game's just always going to do well. And yep. the fact that it, uh, I was arguing with people on the internet and was like, no, Pokemon's already an MMORPG, and they're like, what? it's territory i cover all the freaking time but it has it's a persistent online world with a community that that plays these games to death and goes from game to game to game no it's not one solid platform Mm -hmm. but i mean the fact that i'm still using monsters that i leveled in 2003 yeah i mean and i can do things like trade with other people and battle with other people and work together with other people community is the entire thing about this game yeah it's not one solid piece but when you put it all together and it's like mm the concept of an mmorpg goes way beyond freaking raids and yeah raids and go kill 10 boars yeah and dps and all that stupid crap uh pokemon is a good example of an mmorpg don't at me 
Uh, <laughs> People are going to at you, cat. <laughs> uh, and Johnny Boy 407 um, they're really excited for the glut of RPGs coming in 2018. Oh my god, so many more RPGs. Radiant Historia, SMT Strange Journey, Lost Fear, Alliance Alive, Fire Emblem Switch, Valkyria Chronicles 4, SMT 5, Octopath Traveler, Pokemon Switch, and here's hoping many more. I would say that a bunch of those aren't coming out next year. Let's see, no, there, I will be surprised more. if Fire Emblem Switch comes out. I don't think that'll be till 2019. Valkyria mm-hmm. 4 is coming out next year. SMT 5, is that confirmed for 2018? I'm not sure. Octopath Traveler is remember. coming out next year. Strange yeah. Journey, Radiant Historia are... Pokemon Switch, I will be shocked if it comes out next year. Yeah, we'll definitely hear about it, I think, but I don't think we're going to see it. I don't think we're going to hear about it. You don't think so? I think we're going to hear something. No, I think they're going to take a year off. Mm, I guess they deserve it. Much like they did Probably last year. Uh, That's true. And uh, and a lot of that will have to do with the fact that think that they're in the process of they probably have to build a new engine for the switch yeah they really have to start from scratch with this one because this is pokemon in hd basically for the first time yeah that's really exciting yeah i'm i am excited they have they're gonna have 900 to a thousand freaking monsters in the switch version and wrap your head around that and they have to render and model every single one of them they do and i mean for sun and moon they have walking animations for each monster they didn't use you know what I might have to do in 2018? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Pokemon you forgot about. Aw, all their neglected ones. Like, remember the ice cream one? Yeah, Vanillux? Yeah, Vanillux. Vanillux. Or Seviper? I bet people haven't heard the Poor name Seviper in the longest time. <laughs> Nobody has about thought about Seviper or Skuntank. I like Skuntank. And Stunky, because there's a, a skunk that hangs around our building. I named him Stunky. And Stunfisk. Stunfisk. Shit, which one's Stunfisk? It's it's flat, and I just remember that it could paralyze you, and it was really annoying. And some people actually used it from time to time, but <laughs> super annoying. I mean, there are so many just anonymous monsters. I should probably use, like, filler monsters. Yeah, filler monsters, that's a good word for them. Yeah, so I should probably write... I, I call them the vendor trash Pokemon. <laughs> so they don't really do anything, but, you know, they kind of got to get them, so... Yeah, they're the ones that just kind of fill up your box. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's also the ones... Uh, a good Another good feature would be, like, the Pokemon that you catch in the beginning of the game because you have no other option, but you qu- you quickly forget about very very soon. Yeah. Okay, final email. Uh, this is Victoria Hunter, who strongly disagrees with me on third versions of Pokemon games, and this is a hill that they want to die on. So they say, as a design preservation and series enthusiast, I'm delighted that full retail releases of updated Pokemon games are still a thing. It's an incredible feat that mainline Pokemon games have avoided becoming service-based to this point. As soon as that sphere, sorry, as soon as that seal is broken and each new Pokemon game becomes a platform for additional transactions, there will be something lost that I don't think we'll ever get back. The demarcation of generations of Pokemon is part of what makes a game so appealing. Each iteration of a game design is preserved on a cart that people can always come back to. We can trace design choices back to certain upgrades, and we can relive those design spaces freely. I'm more than willing to say that the vanilla games in any Pokemon generation are not made superfluous by their upgraded versions. I read something of yours not too long ago that suggested that the newest Pokemon is always the one a player should start with. I don't 100% disagree with that, but I think it shows a different set of priorities a different a few years ago my girlfriend at the time wanted to play a pokemon game but was intimidated by the systems upon systems of the most updated releases x and y so he booted up sapphire and she ate it up 
We moved on to black and white. She adored it. Now she, that she had a better understanding of the game. We could have moved on to X and Y or ORAS, but she was in regard, enjoying Unova so much that she started working on black and white too. Meanwhile, I replayed Black and gained such a new appreciation for that generation that I picked up Black 2 after picking it up the first time around. Revisiting older games in the series, even vicariously through someone else, helps with understanding the design values of a certain time period. And within an iterative series like Pokemon, having a clear delineation of when and how those choices were made is important. Like a time capsule of design preserved in amber, waiting for us to revive it in the laboratory of our handhelds. Oh, that was good. (laughs) It's a nice metaphor. I'm clapping. I'm clapping. It's easy to be cynical about seeing reused assets or having to work your way back up from level five in a setting that you've already been. But I think of these iterations like remixes of a place I've been before. And unless the original versions of that place is still available to experience, then we start to lose context for what makes this remix special. It's something I've been wanting to talk about for a while, and I'm really glad I got to hear your thoughts on that. Okay, so... I don't think that you have to lose the individual generations and things by having updates, okay? I'm not mm-hmm. saying just release one Pokemon and then keep patching it, right? <laughs> it's not a, I'm not arguing for a 1.5 necessarily. I'm asking that it's okay to have expansions. It's okay mm-hmm. to have a new generation of Pokemon that I buy, almost like Destiny 2, I suppose, and... Then they go, okay, and now we're we're dropping in, um, we're remixing the moves a bit, and we're dropping in uh, Battle Frontier, and we're putting in the, the move tutors, and we're putting in all of this stuff. And yeah. I, I suppose that it's kind of interesting to see the difference between the vanilla version of a particular generation and then the updated version, but uh, I don't know. It's just... I... I when you want to talk about respecting a player's time, I, I think mm-hmm. that I want to get to the stuff that matters to me, and that stuff is in the end game. And the fact that it's asking me to replay the whole freaking story to get to that point is yeah. annoying. I don't like that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I see where Victor is coming from. It was a great response. Thank you. Yeah. But, um, I also see where you're coming from, where we're not saying, okay, just give us one Pokemon and we'll milk it for years and years, because that Pokemon makes way too much money for that, number one. Number two, I really do like how Pokemon changes regions. It it adds a lot to the series, Mm. but I think that we can get rid of, like, the the sequels and third games to just, you know, just add to it as instead of... I would be okay with the sequel. If they did something like Black 2 and White 2... Where, okay, yeah, yeah. where, yeah, they just remix a lot of it and you're going through it again, but at least it has a different story this time around, right? The whole yeah, thing is different. It. it feels different. You're coming, uh, you, you would tackle the gyms in a different order. Right. It, you have new characters. It just feels, it, it's something else. And I, I appreciate that about Black 2 and White 2. I, I've said many times on this podcast, I think Black 2 and White 2 are the single best Pokemon ever made. And I don't think it's particularly close. So I just, mm, yeah, no, uh, I think the third versions are superfluous. I, I guess from an academic standpoint, it's it's kind of cool to see these demarcations in time. But yeah, I think that we are living in the year 2017 and I shouldn't have to double dip and get a pay full price for an entire, for a game that I already played just so that I could get a small drip feed of new content so that I can uh, continue to keep up with the rest of the community. And I think yeah. that 
it's pretty annoying that Pokemon, that Game Freak keeps milking this because they know they can. They know they can <laughs> get they away with can, it. And they do. Oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your email, Victor Hunter. And yes. uh, yeah, feel free to comment on our show notes and or drop us an email at usgamer at usgamer.net. All right, Nadia, Acts of Blood God, US Gamer Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, do us a favor. Leave us a review. And if we spoiled something, I'm very sorry. Please don't give us a one-star review. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't give us a one-star review. That's not very good. Yeah, uh, we, we really appreciate hearing from you. It's always great. And, of course, it increases the visibility of the podcast on iTunes. We got yeah. back up to five stars. It was very exciting. Yay. Yay. Uh, and of course, we stream every Tuesday and Thursday, twitch.tv at usgamernet. And uh, I think lately we've been streaming more PUBG. Uh, I think, oh, yeah, that's it. Katie revisited Splatoon 2 because they yeah, had a whole bunch of updates Splatoon. just recently. So, and we will be, uh, yeah, so we are in December. We're going to start hitting the end of the year kind of stuff, uh, doing that kind of thing. And, yeah, wrapping up 2017, having a look back. It's going to be interesting. But And, of course, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot, Nadia at Nadia Oxford, and look for all of our cool RPG coverage on usgamer.net. Okay. Uh, until next week, we'll be back. Uh, enjoy Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and yes. just hopefully you can have a relaxing December. We will try to have a relaxing December too. But until then, I've been Cat Bailey and for Naughty Myself. Thanks for listening and happy adventuring. 